Okay, you ready to start? No. Perfect. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of THC, True Hollywood Crime. I'm your host, Mariah. This is your other host, Bailey. And it's rainy. On a beautiful, rainy Saturday night. We made it into the shed just in time. Yeah, it started to sprinkle on our way out to the pod shed. Mm -hmm. So now we get to be all cozy in here. Talk to you guys. Listen to the rain. What a night. Let's do it. Let's do it to it. We were just talking about our weeks, about Mm -hmm. all the stuff you guys can't know about. But yeah. Other than that, your week was good? You know, when we pretend to adult, we pretend oh, to my Lord. do real things in real life. Yeah. Just so we could get to here with you guys. <laughs> um. So what's up, B? What do you want to talk about? All right. Let me get my weekly roundup. Did There's you see pictures. No. Mike Tyson came out with weed gummies mm. shaped like ears. Perfect. Called Mike Bites. Yeah. <laughs> As he should, King. And what I appreciate is that the ears themselves have bites taken yeah. out of them. Yeah. Love it. Oh, my God. Nick pointed that out to me. And yeah. I couldn't. I'm like, yeah. that's just so brilliant. I love it. That's taking lemons. Because he owns like a vodka. weed company. Mm-hmm. God bless him. Mm-hmm. You go, Mike. Iron Mike. This one's for you specifically. Ooh. Mississippi Elementary School Assistant Principal is fired. Oh, shit. For reading a children's book called I Need a New Butt. Yay! A about classic. About a boy who notices a crack in his bottom and sets out to find And why is one. that for me? Because you bought that book for Violet. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I was but, telling you to tell the listeners. Oh, yeah. But, <laughs> I know why. Yeah. But you got me the, the even better one. You got me the English version, the British I version. I need a new bum. Yeah. Uh-huh. Because I thought it was funnier that everything was bum. British. Yeah. And I love it. I love it so much. And Nick actually read about this on his own without me mentioning it to him. Mm-hmm. And so we were talking about it. And so obviously we got the book out and we reread it. And it's like, we hate people so much. Because it's, it's so funny. It's the best. And kids think it's so funny it's, what's wrong with kids like we have liking butts. stuff we have butt cracks yeah, like come on you guys funny. <laughs> so march 10th marked the 25th year anniversary of buffy i actually saw that and i thought of you that day i didn't text oh. you though <laughs> and i just really like um our girl sarah michelle geller like she really sh- did like a shout out to the fans um she wrote being a mid-season replacement on a new network based on a movie, it was by no means a giant success. But then there was you, the fans. You believed in us. You made this happen. And you're the reason 25 Laters were celebrating. Yes! So, love that. And she did WWBD. What would Buffy do? <laughs> Should we get that tattooed? Right? <laughs> I always think if we were to ever get a best friend tattoo, what it would what it would be. This is definitely top five. WWBD is really up there. It really is. Absolutely. Just like a small one somewhere mm-hmm. that we don't have to explain to anybody. Nope. Middle finger. <laughs> um, so that's the 25th year anniversary of Buffy. Today is March 19th. Uh-huh. Marks two years uh, since Newsom announced the statewide stay at home. It's been two fucking years. That's so crazy. Two years I think it's a garbage can. <laughs> oh, right. Or the longest rolling thunder We ever. got so excited, you guys, because one of my neighbors is rolling their garbage can out, and we thought it was thunder. We're like, oh, it's not. It's just my neighbor with their garbage can. Two years since the stay-at-home order. Well, it's been a long panini. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I know that I've been back to work 
in the public for over a year now. Yeah. So that stay at home didn't last that two years. But yeah, it's been two years since mm -hmm. the shit hit the fan, so to speak. And it's the reason for this podcast. It sure is. The reason that we're here. Yeah. And then one last thing, because how can I not praise our queen, Jamie Lee Curtis? Our queen. She was also talking about the two years ago we made a movie up until the worldwide shutdown or whatever and it's just now being premiered at some festival but what I really appreciated from her post it's a picture of her yeah just her tits hanging low and her gut out is like, that really her stomach yes so listen Good for her this is what I wanted to read <clears throat> she's like in the world there's an industry, a billion dollar, trillion dollar industry about hiding things, concealers, body shapers, fillers, procedures, clothing, accessories, products, everything used to conceal the reality of who we are. And so during the making of this movie, she refused to wear any kind of body augmenting anything. Okay, and girl. she said it was like the first time. She said, I've been sucking in my stomach since I was 11 years old. That's when you start becoming self-conscious of your bodies and the things. And she was just, I don't know. She's just the best. She's the best. I love it. Yeah. So, in a world full of Kardashians, be a Jamie Lee Curtis. Absolutely. Just praise our queen. So, also, yeah. thunder update. That is thunder. Oh, because it just it happened, happened again. again. But when you're talking, when you were quoting Jamie Lee Curtis, there was lightning in the okay. sky behind you. Yay. So it was not a garbage can. It was thunder in case anyone's Cheers curious. Cheers to that, bitch. Cheers to thunder and lightning awesome. on a podcast night. Mm -hmm. Our favorite. So that's my weekly roundup. Love it. I didn't do anything this week besides watch Outlander, but I did go see Batman. Hit the me. new one. Yeah. The Batman. The Batman. I will say... If we take the Christopher Nolan trilogy out of it, which mm -hmm. I think we should, because it is by far the best Batman movies ever made, but they're almost like their own thing. Yeah. It's to me, they're almost not even Batman movies. So if we take the Nolan trilogy out, out of it, um, possibly my favorite Batman. Only, if it's not my favorite, it's only because it's very up there, closely tied with the Tim Burton's, the original wow. Batman with um, Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Um, so it's up there. Wow. I loved so it. So our boy did great. He did great. It's a very Edward heavy performance. Oh he's God. very. I don't know that I'll be able to look past that. No, no. It's just because he's like very quiet and broody. Right. This the, is the whispery. Very mm. much emo Batman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is not Bruce Wayne, the playboy billionaire. Yeah. This is like Bruce Wayne. I'm still fucked up because my parents were shot a bunch of years right. ago and I've never gotten over it. Mm -hmm. um, but it's great. The chemistry with him and Zoe Kravitz oh, yeah. is great. I could see that for sure. I was really excited because. Um, it is like Batman tradition for Alfred to help out a little bit here and there. Mm -hmm. And Alfred comes through and like solves some stuff Very that like cool. Batman and the cops can't figure out. Love it. Very dark. So yeah, they as are. As it should be. That's Batman. It's almost like Batman meets like a Saw movie mm. because the traps. And the predicaments that the Riddler is putting people in is very Jigsaw-like. Oh, you're and selling me there. Okay. They, and there's like encryptions and codes and yeah. puzzles and riddles. And I would say it is a PG-13, but they are just a couple bloody scenes and a couple F-bombs away from an R. 
Amazing. They kept it real close to an R. Because they knew that they'd get more out of it. A bigger audience. Shockingly, to me at least, and I am a huge fan of this actor, Colin Farrell's in it. And his, I'll pull it up for you, B. His makeup is so good in this that you, if you don't know it's Colin Farrell, which I did not, <coughs> you never realize Hasn't it. Hasn't he been in another Batman? No. So he was even saying in interviews, I guess, that he actually loved this and all the makeup and everything because no one could tell it was him. So he would like go to Starbucks and stuff. He would just walk off set and like yeah. walk down the street. So that's him in the movie. Oh, no way. Yeah. Isn't yeah. that crazy? No way. I would never second glance. Yeah. And he's playing. The only thing that I could tell is his is his eyes. And that's only because you know it's him. Right. But if you don't know it's Colin no. Farrell. No. You have no clue. And he's playing like <coughs> um, he's playing the penguin. But their take on the penguin is kind of like an Italian mobster guy. He's okay. not doing the Dane DeVito where he's eating raw fish and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like a nickname. OK. So, yep. He was great in it. The whole cast is great. I highly recommend it. Wow. It is a long running time. Awesome. It is almost, it is an almost three hour movie, but it does not feel like a three hour movie. Okay. And they hand feed it. They have just enough social commentary about what's going on today that it feels relevant, mm -hmm. but without feeling like you're being force fed something Yeah. where you're like, yeah, that makes sense. So that character would be into X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And I'm sure we're getting a sequel because this has been a huge success and they do, spoiler alert, everybody, Batman wins in the end. Um, in Arkham uh, Asylum, when the Riddler's in there, he meets who they're setting up to be the Joker. Oh. So we're, I'm for sure, I'm sure we're getting a second one. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Very cool. Although I don't know why we all made it so successful. Robert Pattinson said in an interview that if it flopped, he would do porn. Oh, well, I didn't know that. Well, Fuck you didn't you see it, so yes. you're not part of the problem. Uh, I heard that it, well, I mean, it was just stupid, like, TikTok stuff, but from what I heard, people didn't like it. They said it was slow, so. People are going to complain about everything. Every, I, we hate people. That's why we're here. What do you, oh, because there was some talking in it. You right. just want Go, action scene, mm -hmm. action scene, action scene. No. And I guess at three hours, I mean. No, I personally mm -hmm. didn't feel like it was three hours. And they definitely included the credits in that running time. Mm -hmm. Because actual movie that I watched mm -hmm. was like two hours and 45 minutes. Okay. And then I was like, I was like, it's not three hours yet. And I'm like, oh, but they're probably counting. The 10 minutes of yeah. names. And mm -hmm. um. And the other thing I really liked is Batman's always been my favorite superhero because he's the only superhero that doesn't have superpowers. Mm -hmm. He's just a dude with gadgets. Money. And some like smart fighting skills. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they did have some moments in this where it was funny because things will go wrong. Yeah. Like he'll go to do something and like one of his gadgets won't work mm -hmm. or he fucking falls off a building or mm -hmm. whatever. And it's like, oh, that's funny because yeah. he's a dude and yeah. that shit would happen in real life. Yeah. It wouldn't all be perfect. So I appreciated that. I thought it was pretty funny. Okie dokie. There's your Batman. I want to watch it now. And I didn't before. So there. Hey, there you go. I'll give it. Um, but apparently now I have to wait. I'm not going to pay to see it because no. I'd like to see that dick. <laughs> what? You said he oh, yeah. To do art house porn. Well, it's already successful. B. It's already uh, made like oh, fuck you guys. half a billion dollars. Anyways, um, I would give it four out of five uh, bats. Four out of five Batmobiles. Okay. I like the Batmobile better. <laughs> All right. Anything else? No. So this is our belated 
St. Patrick's Day episode. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be as fun as last St. Patrick's Day episode was, although the murder of Kitty Genovese last year uh, is what we covered, and that was a bummer. But then we got to talk about Boondock Saints, which is super fun. Mm -hmm. This is less fun. You pulled it out at the end, though. Did you watch it? I did. I did. I was hoping because you didn't text me that Uh that meant you watched it because I was trying to get the boys to watch it last night, and nobody was on board, and we watched some fucking docuseries instead. I know. The worst. So let's get to it. Mm-hmm. First of all, our THC drinking game. We didn't talk about it last week, but if you are a regular listener, you already know what it is. You know what it be. You take a drink or a puff of whatever you're doing. Eat a gummy bear anytime you hear us. You're right on Mike Tyson ear. Uh, yeah. A mic bite. Are you <laughs> snacking on some Oreos? Have an Oreo every mm-hmm. time. We mention a badass big sister. We reference an old THC episode, which we just did. We cheers. We spill something. We mention the TV show Monk or if we're not in the pod shed. But we are in the pod shed. We are. So there's your drinking game. Cheers to St. Patty's with a D day. Did you know that? No. Mm-mm. So apparently, and I, I learned this last year doing the like little synopsis little thing I type out for our episodes. It's either St. Patrick's Day or it's Patty's Day with two Ds. Why? I don't know. Okay. I just know that when you Google search it, they are very particular that when you, I don't know if it's like out of respect for the St. Patrick, but if you're going to shorten it, you shorten it to Patty with two Ds. Okay. So here's our Patty's Day episode. I love it. We wanted to do, obviously, an Irish case. I found this is not a one case in particular. It's more of a crime against humanity. Mm-hmm. Very much. I don't know which episode we did, but the um, it reminded me a lot of, come on, our our glowing girls. Our, oh, yeah. The radio. The radium girls. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It reminded me very much about our episode of the radium girls. Uh-huh. Same kind of thing where it's not that it's against one person. It's just a crime against women. Yeah in how know. funny i totally forgot about that. forgot about the radium girls which is funny because it's i think your number one of at least your top three voted on on instagram looks. for the look mm-hmm. people really liked your radium girl look yeah so this week we're gonna tell you about the magdalene laundry workhouses of ireland and be watched the movie i told her to watch and then a surprise movie and another surprise i didn't watch the movie you oh you didn't but i watched a movie you didn't watch a movie i told you to uh-uh. at all uh-uh so what movie did you watch mm-hmm. no because the only way i could watch that one which do you remember the name of it the magdalene sisters okay and i just want to give it a shout out that there is a 20- real hollywood movie and i watched a real bbc Oh. movie it's okay. like a lifetimey and it's totally it's the same thing oh perfect but i thought it was more fitting for us because it was the bbc this is the bbc it's gonna be yeah and not to mention the only way to watch the magdalene sisters you do have to rent it or buy it yeah. and i wasn't gonna spend six dollars and cry <laughs> so <laughs> when i can have an iced coffee or cry i was gonna say the way b is a cheapskate only about certain things is absolutely mind-blowing. It is. Absolutely. You should have seen the almost fight she got into one time in the driveway with her husband because he was going to Rayleigh's without her coupons. Oh, my God. I know. 
And she, you were like, I'll just go. And he's I'm like, still no, upset. just give me the fucking coupons then. Oh, I'm still. It was so funny because mm-hmm. it was probably $2 worth of savings. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. <laughs> I am the cheapest person you'll ever Only meet. about certain things, though. I, it's, it's weird. Okay, it's all good. Okay, so you watched. So what's that called? It is called Sinners. Oh. Mm-hmm. Also made 2018. Okay. And my main character in the movie is also in the other fucking movie. Weird. Yeah. So I'll get to that in my That's notes. a Matrix moment. Uh-huh. And then you also watched... The Devil's Doorway. Is that what it's called? Yes. Perfect. Which was also made in 2018. I'm pretty sure they're all made in the same year. <laughs> oh, my God. That's yeah. so funny. Mm-hmm. So what happened, guys, was I discovered... The idea, which I guess I'm a little ashamed I didn't even know existed because it went know, on for so long. I knew nothing. They didn't. They don't teach us about this shit in America. Mm-hmm. In all fairness, they don't teach us about our own atrocities against humanity so in America. So why would they? So they're not going to teach us about anybody else's. Mm-hmm. But um, I learned about the Magdalene Laundries and I saw that there was a movie, The Magdalene Sisters, based on it. And I'm like, oh, poor B. I'm going to give her a real yep. movie to watch. Mm-hmm. And that was all the research I did. But then... I was doing my own follow-up research for the podcast and saw that, unbeknownst to me, there's a horror movie based on it. Uh, my heart skipped a beat. Like I was, I was so I, for well, I would say I was excited, but I was also very upset at myself because it was so fucking last minute. It was so last minute, and I know that it's so much more what this podcast is about, mm-hmm. and so much more what you would be interested in. Yeah, and I was like, I can't believe I didn't. I just didn't think someone would make a horror movie about this, <laughs> this fucking atrocity against women. I didn't think, but they did. Yeah. So I'm glad you found time to watch it. I'm yep. glad I caught it soon enough mm-hmm. so settle in get comfy because you're going for it's a, a rain- ride it's, bitches it's a rainy night we got two movie <laughs> reviews and a very brief cliff notes version of the atrocities that is the magdalene laundry uh system i guess mm-hmm. also i thought it was fitting because isn't this women's history month i <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> sure. Totally. I yeah. think it is. So happy Women's History Month, y'all. Cool. Possibly. Yeah, I'll drink to that. <laughs> there is a world-renowned documentary about this subject that is the first documentary ever made um, by an Irish person about this and the first time that a documentary or a movie had been made about this and then shown in Ireland. Okay. The movie is called The Forgotten Maggies. It was made in 2009. I started watching it. It was a little slow for me because I was very tired. It's about two hours long. I've heard that it's a great documentary. So definitely check it out if you're interested in this subject matter more. It kind of definitely goes into um, the survivors. That's why it's called The Forgotten Maggies and their current plight. Is that the right word? Their current problems that they're left with i also read articles on history.com a great article by aaron blackmore sorry blakemore Mm. biography.com and i got a lot from jfmresearch.com that stands for justice for magdalene's research it's uh, a great organization out of ireland trying to get some sort of justice or reparations for the because there's still a lot of female survivors of these workhouses well like you said considering how late it went Mm -hmm. and we had no idea it was even going on and i'm sure a lot of people in ireland knew it was going on but i think it was like 
maybe unspoken it's about. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, you ready? Uh, yeah. <laughs> 1992 in Dublin, Ireland, nuns at Sister of Our Lady Charity decide to sell some of their extra land to ironically pay off some of their debt. And they have to ask permission to move some bodies that are buried in a graveyard at the location of the Donnybrook Laundry Workhouse, which had been opened from 1837 until 1992. Mm -hmm. So this workhouse had just closed. They were going to sell some property, pay off some debt. They have to move some buried bodies, which is, you know, I'm sure there's like official ways you have to do that, right? Well, when they started digging, workers found an extra 155 bodies of women who were unnamed and unknown. They were basically in an unmarked mass grave. This is absolutely shocking for a lot of reasons. The main one is that these these laundry workhouses are ran by the Catholic Church. And bodies that are buried in the Catholic faith without the like proper ceremony and burial, that's a big no-no in Catholicism. Dead bodies are treated with a lot of like respect. There's like a lot of steps of how you properly do the last rites right. and the burial. And there's I'm sure there's priests involved. I'm not sure, although I did grow up in a Catholic family. Right. However, I have a quote for you about the sanctity. Is that a word? Sure. Sanctity. It's definitely of, a word. Of bodies in the Catholic Church. So let's see. So this is basically a priest talking about the burial rites of somebody of the Catholic face. Mm. (laughs) This is a priest talking about the burial rites, the burial procedure of somebody um, in the Catholic faith. And it says, he says that the tomb or the final resting place is marked with the person's name, the same name with which the person was baptized and by which the person will be called on by God. Mm -hmm. Quote, belief in the resurrection of the flesh is fundamental. A human cadaver is not trash. And an anonymous burial or scattering of ashes is not compatible with the Christian faith. The name, the person, the concrete identity of the person is important because God created each individual and calls each individual to himself. So the fact that there is a mass grave of 155 people that are buried in unconsecrated ground, which means unholy ground, without their names is a big fucking deal. Yeah. And it sets off like a firestorm of women finally... I guess, feeling brave enough or Mm -hmm. feeling like people will finally hear them enough to tell them about their own survival stories in these laundry workhouses. So the Magdalene movement first started in the mid 18th century in Ireland by nuns trying to save women from sex work. Basically, they're trying to convert them, trying to get them off the streets. Mm -hmm. This is why it's named after, of course, Mary Magdalene. Get ready for your uh, Catholic, more Catholic schooling bee. In modern Christianity or Catholicism, which, by the way, we're talking about from 600 AD on, Mm -hmm. there is this kind of common story that Mary Magdalene was a prostitute or a Mm -hmm. sex worker who 
became a follower of Jesus and Jesus, of course, forgave her and loved her despite of her Her many sins. Mm -hmm. And when no one was left by Jesus's side, Mary was still there. Mm -hmm. Even during his crucifixion, she was one of the first ones to see him resurrected. She was a true believer because even a sinner can be turned around. But before that, they found older versions of the Bible and they found older texts that the truth is Mary, at least in the Bible, OG Mary, was a reflective, wise, spiritualist, highly favored by Jesus. She was actually one of his favorite apostles and she even has her own gospel. There is the gospel of Mary. It's just been left out of modern Bibles. So a little shout out to Mary Magdalene. She wasn't just some poor, lowly sex worker that Jesus saved. She was like a badass bitch. Obviously. Right? They always have been and they always will be. So that's why these workhouses are the movement, of the Magdalene the, the movement. The Magdalene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So women that would go to these workhouses would spend a short time working for the nuns while being rehabilitated. Like, Rehabilitate, re, rehabilitized, rehabilitated, rehabilitated. So they'd come in, they'd work for the nuns. Yeah, they'd do some manual labor, and they but they'd get some schooling, some education. They'd be rehabilitated, and whole new women ready to face the world. And so at first, many of the women at these places were there. They would voluntarily go because they were like, "Oh, I want to change my life. This yeah, is great for sure." The church soon started to realize, though, that the manual labor that these women were providing unpaid was a real profit scheme. Mm -hmm. So then the times that the women spent there started to get longer and longer and longer. And the types of women, and I should say girls who showed up, started to change. We have to drink because I spilled. Oh, <laughs> a drink and a cheers. So two drinks. It's been so long. I know. <laughs> so they realize that this unpaid labor, they can make bank. So they start taking women or girls because they said that there's no official documents on any of this. But the youngest girls to go to the workhouses were like 11, 12 years old. Okay. These are girls or women who are kind of known just for being normal teenagers, meaning mm-hmm. they're being kind of like cheeky and back talking, not really listening, being a little troublemakers. They'd get sent by their families. Girls who are known for being promiscuous, which could even back then mean being like too flirty with men, mm-hmm. got sent to the workhouses. Um, of course, unwed pregnant women absolutely oh my god you gotta go and then even survivors or i should say even victims of sexual assault and rape victims usually victims of people in their own family Mm -hmm. were sent because it's something they just wanted to cover up they didn't want to talk about it they probably thought it was the girls' fault for just being born with vaginas right so they would get sent to the workhouses So although these girls are not criminals, the workhouses are very prison-like. We're talking brick buildings where these women and girls are kept behind locked doors and bars, barred windows, high walls. Once they're in the laundries, their names are changed. Mm -hmm. 
which is why it's so hard to get like official paperwork on anything. And they're given no info on like how long their stay is going right. to be, how they can get released, mm-hmm. like what are the steps to get out of here. Yeah. How terrifying. They're not allowed to speak of their former lives at all. And eventually they're not even allowed to speak at all to each other. Oh, wow. The nuns watch them constantly. You're not allowed to talk. And then obviously outside correspondence is just oh, forbidden. forget about it. Yeah. These women and girls are forced to work 12 plus hours a day, manual labor, mainly doing, I mean, obviously there's some women who have to just like upkeep the whole system from going, cooking, mm-hmm. cleaning, mm-hmm. running the grounds. Some of these uh, people have to, of course, serve the nuns because yeah. the nuns need someone to serve them their food and shit. Clearly, obviously. But most of them are just doing like laundry, mm-hmm. like big vats of like hot, wet, steaming laundry they do this all day long and the people who hire the laundries for services are just like local like well-to-do people businesses um and the biggest contract they have of course is the irish government themselves Uh the irish government is pretty much bankrolling this whole thing Uh because they realize that they pay the laundries to do all of the government laundry so you figure Anything from like even like police guard uniforms, whatever laundry they need done. Yeah. They send them to these laundries. They get a great deal because nobody's getting paid. Right. So no matter what, these laundry workhouses, it's 100% profit for the Catholic church and for the nuns. Exactly. So it's a win-win for the government and for the church. You know it. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, as the laundries become more and more popular, the government starts funding the laundries with more and more people because now they're sending prisoners, female prisoners Mm. to the laundries and they're sending female inmates from like asylums. Oh, and now they're all in the laundries, too. Even women with special needs and disabilities that are like too hard for their families to take care of or their families don't want to take care of. They get sent to the laundries. And even orphans who, like, have been in the system too long and haven't been adopted, they get sent to the laundries. Mm -hmm. Now, they're, like I said, under constant supervision. The nuns are always watching, constantly verbally, physically abusing these girls. These girls and women lived in, like, unheated, cold, damp rooms. Again, remember, this is Ireland, so it's not a warm place to live. They're given very poor diets, some only just bread and water. And survivors recall how it was doing all this manual labor, eating their bread and water, and that's all they get. And But they can smell the nuns' meals down the hallway. Oh, fuck that. And these nuns are eating roasted meats oh, and sides and fresh baked bread. Mm-hmm. And that alone was like its own kind of torture. Of course. They're forced to live in with really poor hygiene and then they're humiliated and made fun of for their bad hygiene by the nuns. They're never educated, which sucks because in the beginning, or I shouldn't say in the beginning, but a lot of the times they're promised an education. That's how they get such young girls in there Mm -hmm. is they promise them like, yeah, you have to work, but you'll get a full education. Nope. They're never educated. So these uneducated, scared, hungry, cold girls If they refuse to work or if they don't work hard enough, quote unquote, 
Their punishment is brutal. It includes starvation, solitary confinement, they're beat, they're forced to pray for hours on their knees, and they're subjected to humiliation, including shaving their heads yeah, in front of their very peers. holy, godly things. The holiest. Yeah. Just what Jesus would have wanted them to Amen. do. So the government didn't regulate the laundries. Mm-hmm. They did send in inspectors, but that was just for the actual the machines. Yeah. No, no, no. It was okay. for like the machine. To like, make sure the, it was actually functioning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the inspectors didn't ask any questions or pay any attention to the girls. And even if they did, the nuns had a Are habit. Right there. Well, and they they hide a bunch of the girls. Mm-hmm. So they know if the inspectors are coming, there's a certain amount of girls that will go hide in these like kind of secret little tunnels and stuff mm. until the inspectors leave. But the inspectors mm-hmm. aren't asking any questions anyway. No. So lovely. These girls would spend decades, sometimes whole lifetimes working in the laundries. If someone did escape and they were caught, obviously the punishment would be severe. Mm-hmm. And if they actually did get released, it was without any notice, without any warning. They were just literally like, you're released and sent out with, with nothing, no money, no contact with their family, no education, no real life skills. Good luck. Wow. Which, and nobody really mentioned this, but upon retrospect, seems like the perfect cocktail to turn them into sex workers. Like the one thing that you claimed to be... Right. Mm -hmm. Because what else are they going to fucking do? Yeah. But nobody said that. But that was just an epiphany I just had. Now, the pregnant women who were sent there, they would give birth at the laundries. Many of these babies were given or adopted Mm -hmm. to other families against the mother's will. But the babies who did stay in the laundries, many of them would die due to the conditions and the neglect. And there's just nothing the moms can do about that, unfortunately. So they are also buried without the like official Catholic burial procedures in uncovered, unconsecrated ground. And actually in 2014 at the Bon Secours Mother and Baby Home in Tuam, Ireland to UAM, they actually found 796 bodies of infants in a septic tank. Oh, in a septic tank. Yep. So how did this go on for 231 years? One, no one believes survivors if they did speak out because why would they? You're talking about loose, immoral, criminal women versus what the Catholic Church has to say. and With no proof. Ireland is mm-hmm. 78% Catholic as a country. So you're yeah. talking about a very devout country of people. Mm-hmm. They're not going to believe these harlots. Right. And also many women are just too embarrassed to say what happened there. You see that a lot with like survivors. Or just traumatized. It's yeah. a lot of it's a lot of trauma, but you see it with like a lot of sur- like why do survivors of rape and sexual assault not say anything? Because yeah, they're embarrassed yeah. and no one's gonna believe them and why relive it and go through all that pain. Yeah, again? it's just awful. Yeah. So the last laundry workhouse closed in nineteen ninety six. So gross. There are no official numbers, but it is estimated that up to 300,000 women went through the laundries from the beginning. Yeah. But we have an official definite number of 10,000 from 1922 to 1996 went Mm -hmm. through the laundries. 
survivors are now, like I said, open and talking about it. They are pressuring the government to hold the Catholic Church accountable. Mm -hmm. And even the UN has urged the Vatican to investigate. The UN states that, quote, girls at the laundries were deprived of their identity of education and often of food and essential medicines and were imposed with an obligation of silence and prohibited from having any contact with the outside world. That is the UN's quote as they urge the Catholic Church to admit their involvement. The Catholic Church, get ready for the shock of a lifetime, guys, has remained silent. Dun, dun, dun. However, the Irish government does acknowledge their involvement. And in 2013, the president of Ireland issued a formal apology to the Magdalene women and announced a compensation fund that they would be starting for the survivors of the laundries. However, it is very hard for the Maggies. That's what they call them. Mm -hmm. It's very hard for the Maggies to receive this any kind of funds because... Their names were changed, so they can't prove, prove that their government names, that they were actually ever there because the nuns changed their names on the paperwork and in the laundries. That's so crazy. Now, some survivors, especially like elderly women who have spent pretty much their whole lives there mm -hmm. and the women with special needs, they've actually chosen to stay with the nuns after the laundries have closed. They stay with the nuns in the convent, I guess. Okay. And they still remain there to this day. They plan on being there for the rest of their lives. But the survivors are speaking out. And you can go to the website I mentioned and watch that documentary. And all those things lead to ways that if you want to help out, you can help out. But wow. there you go. That's the Magdalene Laundries of Ireland. Dang. It is pretty crazy. And all that unmarked grave business really reminded me of like all the mass unmarked graves of indigenous people in like Canada mm. at the residential schools. It's very similar. And I didn't go into it because who has time? But this whole workhouse laundry situation, Catholic church situation did bleed over to Canada and Canada had oh, wow. a very similar okay. problem. Um, so, you know. I didn't go into it, but they were in Canada as well. Mm -hmm. So there you go. Happy That's too close to home. Patty's Day, everybody. <laughs> Jesus. All right. So let's start off with your BBC Lifetime. Okay. I got the year wrong. But yeah. BBC TV movie Sinners 2002. Oh, okay. What year of high school were we in B? I love to ask B these questions. We were juniors. That's right. We were ending juniors going into senior. Yeah. Perfect. Good yeah. job. Um, and I did reference. I'm like, you sent me the Magdalene sisters to watch. Yeah. Which does look like a good real movie. Mm -hmm. um, both films are set in ultra conservative Ireland during the 60s, specifically 1963 for this movie. <clears throat> Immediately, I think about you because, like, we open on this cliffside. All of my dreams. Uh, my, I can't. Like, absolutely. Your dreams. This beautiful cliffside view. Um, we see a small house with a young woman carrying a suitcase, and she's leaving, and she's walking towards this car that's parked in the distance with a woman waiting inside. 
and we see a young man <clears throat> standing off in the other direction and they exchange a glance and it's like you can tell that their lover is being torn apart. Ah, it's rough. Okay. The young woman is taken to what I assumed was a monastery. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I mean, there's a bunch of nuns walking around. What it, else could you think? Yeah. And we learn that her name is Anne Marie. And this is where we're going to bring up that the woman that's playing Anne Marie, her name in real life is Anne Marie. Amazing. Anne Marie Duff. And she plays Margaret in The Magdalene Sisters. Also, the name of the star of my favorite movie of all time, Blue Crush. Okay. Kate Beckinsale plays a <laughs> character named Anne Marie. There we go. So now I'm just going to picture a blonde surfer. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever seen Blue Crush. <laughs> I know. I know. It's like you just ripped my heart out of my chest. Wow. It's my. It's and not only is it one of my favorite movies Why of all time. I've seen it because it came out when we were teenagers, and I it's know, a teenager but, movie. Okay. But you're not cool enough because you were just watching your I've, VHSs I've, of <laughs> fucking Friday the Thirteenth for the five hundredth time. Um. <laughs> Not only is it one of my favorite movies, it's one of Lou's favorite movies. We need to have a Blue Crush night. Whenever you're ready. Let's drink adios, motherfuckers, because they're blue. Yeah. And watch Blue Crush. Yeah, last time we drank those together, you were throwing up in Mexico. So let's do it. Yeah, no, I will always have. We already had a Silver Linings playbook night. Mm -hmm. Now we're doing a Blue Crush night. (laughs) I can't. I'm sorry. That really derailed it. But when you say Anne Marie, it's all I can think about. We learn that Anne Marie and her brother lost their parents to influenza. Yeah, that sounds about right. Mm -hmm. Leaving them in their aunt's care. And apparently Anne Marie is knocked up with her brother's baby. Oh. Mm Mm-hmm. Shit. We learn these little details later. Okay. Okay. We know that she's there. She's being brought to this place by her aunt because she's pregnant. Mm -hmm. But like. I didn't know that the man in the distance was her brother until later on. Um, Anne Marie's left where she is stripped of her clothing, her belongings, cut off all of her hair, and she's given a new name. She's being told by the nuns that her life isn't over because of her sins. Here she'll be given the opportunity to give penance. And she can earn forgiveness from the Heavenly Father just as Mary Magdalene did. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Once in her new uniform of like these fucking rags, she's taken down to like this dungeon-like building where you see all these women washing and steaming linens as they repeat their Hail Marys. And now, did Anne-Marie know exactly what she was going into? No. Okay, so this is all she very knew, shocking. She knew that she was leaving. Like, she packed yeah, a yeah, bag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she doesn't know, the, like, severity of it. No, because when her aunt left her there, and she was just like, well, wait, you're you're just going to, like, leave me with these people? Yeah. Yeah. So and scary. she's like, well, when are you coming back? Are you coming back after I have the baby? Like, Oh, that's so scary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. No, thank you for asking. That's definitely worth it bringing up um the living conditions are awful like you said it's like a prison we see Anne marie throw up her disgusting food so she's basically starving as she's trying to grow a baby oh my god while working one day she notices a woman sobbing 
like staring out the window and the others have to explain that today is the day that her baby was taken away. Mm. She's watching them either drive the baby away or give the baby away. And Anne-Marie's still really confused by the whole situation. Like, well, what do you mean? Like, why would they give her baby away? Like, why? Why are we here? (laughs) Right. And they're trying to um, she's trying to ask questions and whenever the other women are trying to answer specifically this one woman her name's kitty let's bring that up right? yeah kitty's kitty cute uh-huh uh, oh yeah kitty, kitty Genevieve. Genevieve. whoa yeah, how weird mm-hmm. like it was meant to be mm-hmm. um she ends up getting like beaten just mm-hmm. for speaking out of term right don't speak unless you're spoken to during the downtime they do have this room where they can like knit clothes read the bible there is a radio um Mm -hmm. where it's like if the nun's present it's like talk radio but if she leaves they'll like put it on to like some jazz or something rebellious Mm -hmm. we learn that kitty was a school teacher and the man who impregnated her did offer his hand in marriage, but she turned him down because she didn't want the sympathy proposal. All right, and fair so enough. that's how she ended up there. Another woman mentioned that <clears throat> she ended up here because she left her abusive husband. And she thought that this was going to be the better option. Damn. Mm-hmm. One day, a girl asks Anne-Marie to kind of, like, cover her so she can go smoke a fag. Right? Yeah. Isn't it? <laughs> go smoke a cig. And Anne-Marie pussies out. And the girl gets beaten badly. Ugh. And, I mean, payback's a bitch. And it's real rough watching two pregnant women, like, box it out. <laughs> Oh, so she, like, jumped Anne-Marie for being a snitch. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, she got beat by the nuns, and she's like, oh, you think I look bad? Just wait till you see what I do to you. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. and it's, um, she's about to, like, stomp on, on Anne-Marie's stomach when the other women, oh, yeah. That's what I'm, like, no one wants to see pregnant women fighting. It's not a good look, Not guys. like that. Uh-uh. That's rough. During a Bible lesson, a girl in class makes a remark that the priest doesn't find amusing. And so he calls her down to his chambers where he forces her to give him head. And he's like, let's see you use that mouth for something other than talking back. Yeah. All right. Disgusting. When the girl comes back, obviously upset, Anne-Marie asks what happened. And she replies, don't worry about it. It's all my fault. I'm too pretty. I'm a slut. I'll never be anything better than a filthy this and that. Like, just like, this is my life. Right? Yeah. Anne-Marie decides the best thing to do is to tell one of the nuns what happened. No, uh, the nuns are not your friend. She quickly learns of her mistake when we then see that poor woman being dragged down the stairs by two orderlies screaming and crying. And Anne-Marie is later informed that most likely she was sent to an asylum. God damn. Mm -hmm. So nice try. 
When Anne-Marie then tries to confront the nuns about this, they look at her like, bitch, you're surprised? Like, your family literally brought you here, left you here. Have they been here to check on you? Like, no one cares about the people that are here. You guys are all here for a reason. And uh, she's like, if you think that anyone's going to come back for you after you have this baby, like, you have another thing coming. We do see a birth scene. I believe this one is Kitty's. And it's aggressive as fuck. It's a lot. So one of the nuns, like, shoves her hand all the way up there to, like, see what's going on. (laughs) And when Kitty screams back, she's told that she basically needs to shut the fuck up. Like, there will be no screaming. If you die on this table, it's because of your sins. We get a nice close-up of, like, a bucket full of blood with, like, an umbilical cord in it. Are you sure this isn't the horror movie? The nurse recommends that they stitch her up to help with the bleeding, but the sister says absolutely not. That's a waste of time. It's in God's hands. If she bleeds to death, that's that's on her. As two women who have had nothing <clears throat> but first world I amazing die. I die. medical I'm, care. I'm dead. Like, no. even if your birth goes perfectly to plan, it's still, like, traumatic as fuck. Should I get real personal right now? <laughs> yeah, sure. Mine- we're about to talk about our active child labors. We're about to give you all the gory details of us delivering our children. So trigger warning, if you don't want to hear that and we don't blame you, please fast forward just like a couple like minutes. five minutes, yeah. six mm-hmm. minutes, and we'll be back to B's movie review. Thank you. <laughs> so because, I mean, I just said like the sister aggressively shoves her hand up there. Yeah. So my placenta didn't come out after birth yeah my body tapped out after i put because there's like a second birth that no one ever tells you about you birth the baby but then you also have to birth the placenta and if you don't it could kill the mom yeah because it could cause infection it's a big deal and i didn't know it until it didn't happen right because apparently more often than not it comes out just fine yeah and my body was like nope i'm done (laughs) So my doctor did the same thing. Yeah. And I mean, I was high as a kite. Like I had that epidural. Yeah. I was fine. Like, but I felt his whole fucking arm yeah. go up inside of me and literally rip my insides out. To, he had to get all of it. And then he looked at Nick and he was like, Oh, my God. Because he's like, if any of it gets left behind, like if he didn't get all of it, like, again, it could cause infection. It's a really big deal. Yeah. And so and Nick was just like, what is happening right now? This is not what they went over in birthing class. And so, yeah. And I was like, I'm saying like I could feel. Yeah. All of it. And that's with medication. That's with a doctor who cares enough to be like. I'm so sorry that I have to do this. And I allowed um, students to be in the room. Oh, God, why? Because you can't fucking say no to anything ever. Just say no, Bailey. If I would have been there with you, I'd have said no on your behalf. No. And they looked at me like uh, every nurse that came in to care for me. They would look at my chart and they'd be like, oh, fuck. (laughs) 
They'd be like, you good? Like, can, can I get you an oxy? And I'm like, no, don't get me an oxy. <laughs> it's like, so oh. funny. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. No, my oldest, it wasn't quite that traumatic, but I was induced with my oldest. And when they induce you, yeah, they give you the Pitocin, which is the drug that makes yeah. your body start makes your body start labor but they also put a they insert a balloon up there yeah because that's basically how they break your water mm-hmm. and my water didn't break either so yeah mm-hmm. and i'm not dilated at all because yeah. my body's not go in labor yet mm-hmm. and i still had a doctor who was much less caring than your doctor yeah. show up and be like you're gonna feel a little pressure and then shove her hand and forearm up my vagina to insert this balloon See? and then like blow the balloon up. And it's the only. Give me some. We've had multiple. We've had multiple fists. Up yeah. And, and this is like. And I'm pretty tough <laughs> when it comes to medical stuff. I can really like bite the bullet nope. and take it. And that was the only time in three labors nope. in three C-sections that I actually like yelled out and was like what like what i don't happening? even know what i just said but i like basically was like like i screamed yeah. and she was like it's just a bit of pressure i'm like no it fucking hurts <laughs> a bit of pressure that's what doctors always say for pain oh if it's going to be painful everyone fyi if it's going to be painful the doctors will always use the word pressure, pressure. maybe if it's going to be really painful they'll use the word pinching mm-hmm. but it's always pressure you're gonna feel a bit of pressure yeah if they say pressure it's gonna fucking hurt yeah because they can't say this, this is, is gonna, gonna hurt, hurt a lot brace, are you ready brace yourself. which i would actually really prefer <laughs> i would re- prefer them to be honest but yeah same thing i love that i love that for us yeah it was great that's why i had two voluntary c-sections after that because i went through all of that just, just to have a c-section. c-section and i'm like well, if it comes down to that or a C-section, just schedule that motherfucker. I know. Poor Violet. Because my water didn't break, but I was in active labor, they had to go in with a fucking... It looked like a knitting needle. And it literally left marks on her head. Yeah. <laughs> it literally left, like, little indents on her forehead where they, like, poked at her. You would feel like there'd be a better way to do this. <laughs> People are traumatized. Yeah, that's good. We probably should have given a trigger warning. <laughs> it's that's real a, life, people. That's all right. <laughs> if I want to, I could really <clears throat> cut one in. I'll just put that in there. Love it. We don't even know what we were talking about. All right, here we go. She delivered her baby. It was traumatic. There was like a bucket of blood. No, I'm, I, I'm good. Okay. So while working one day, Anne Marie's told she has a visitor. It's her brother. It's the man we saw at the beginning of the movie, and this is where we learn he's the one that knocked her up. When he sees her, he's shocked. Because she looks awful. What the fuck did they do to you? (sighs) That's awful. And so, like you were saying before, these nuns are everywhere. And they don't get to, like, chorus. There's no phone calls, no nothing. But if someone comes to visit or to see the girls they can't really say no right right because legally every it's not it's all on the good yeah 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 yeah. so just keep that in mind so right the brother's there he's shocked he promises like i'm gonna come back for you and our baby but she knows that he's lying by the look on his face kitty begins a secret relationship with one of the guards in hopes that he'll get her pregnant. She thinks that 
she's meeting her man for a booty call. But lo and behold, the nuns have found out about what's going down and they're there instead. And she gets horribly beaten. So horribly beaten. When she goes back to join the other girls, they can see exactly what happened. And then just the cherry on top. If I think it's like that same day, they give her baby away. And so she jumps off the roof and commits suicide. Kitty. Mm-hmm. Man, that's two St. Patty's Day episodes in a row that we've had a bummer kitty story. Mm-hmm. The nuns say that it's a tragic accident. Mm. She clearly fell. Everyone knows better. And Anne-Marie starts to act out. All right, Anne-Marie. Her and one of the nuns get physical. And she's pushed to the ground, and that breaks her water. Oh, shit. Is she, like, far along enough to? Oh, yeah. for that to be okay? Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Mm-hmm. So, thankfully, we don't get another graphic birthing scene. She has a little boy, and she writes a letter home begging her aunt to adopt the boy. She's like, I don't need to care for the child. Whatever you want to do with the kid, just get our baby Get me out of here and I'll figure it out. Like, you, right. Right. Just whatever we got to do. We can work this out. Right. But bust me out of this. Yeah. That, of course, gets returned, left unread, unopened. Ugh. On what seems to be a special occasion. I don't know if it's Christmas, but whatever. Some special priest is in town. And just like you're saying, there is a banquet hall. Mm-hmm. That's like where the nuns would eat. On this one occasion, the girls are allowed to eat with everyone. And it's because this person's visiting. They're, like, putting on a show, basically. And holy fuck. Like, just like you said, like, when they see the bread and the butter. And, oh, my God. They're just like, is this for real? Is it really happening? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Anne-Marie uses this opportunity knowing that everyone's distracted to escape okay and i don't know how she got keys but she gets her baby and she sneaks out through the kitchen and she does get into town and for whatever reason one of the nuns notices that she's missing and they like sound the church bells Mm -hmm. and the police are sent into town she gets into an older man's house okay Right, he's not in at the time that she like sneaks in, and so he comes in after like, whoa, who, mm-hmm. who the fuck are you? He hears the bells, he hears the sirens, and he's like, oh, you're from the church. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I have my baby. She tries to plead her story, and he's just like, that sucks. <laughs> 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 like he's really torn. And so I'm not sure, like, if he's going to help her or not, but he does. He turns her over to the cops. God damn. And there is a history, I will just say, of people helping these girls. Okay. I'm sure more people than not turned them in if they found out, but there are some people who put their necks on the line and, and help some girls. Okay. 
So you can imagine the next time we see Anne Marie, she's rough the fuck up. Yeah. She's looking worse for wear. They have like ripped chunks of hair out uh. of her head. And of course, they take her baby. So now she's the woman sobbing out the window. Yeah. The, the whole full picture there. Rinse, wash, repeat. Literally. Yeah. That's what they're doing. That's what we're doing in the movie, watching as viewers. It's just you're just seeing this horrible, horrible abuse to these women. So for whatever reason, the man from the house comes to visit Anne-Marie. Okay. And like I said, the The man that turned her in? Yes. Okay. The nuns can't like deny it really. Mm -hmm. Right. And when he sees her, the same thing. He's like, oh, fuck. (laughs) Right? And so he's like, okay. So he apologizes. He's like, I thought you were crazy. (laughs) He's like, I felt bad about the baby. He's like, I feel like a real asshole. I mean, fair enough. Mm -hmm. Takes a lot to show up and say that. He introduces himself. We learn that he is Frank. And he says, had he had better judgment when his wife was still alive, he never would have turned her and her baby in. Okay. Frank was Emmett Linscott from my favorite movie, The Black Dahlia. Hey. Episode 53. What, your favorite movie that you've watched on this podcast? I hated that movie so fucking much. <laughs> I totally forgot. I think I That's... gave it like a negative <laughs> score. I hated that fucking movie. That's why I was shocked. So I'm like, I don't remember you actually liking that movie. No. Here comes my sarcasm. I'm yeah. sorry. No, that <laughs> fucking hot garbage. I don't remember you hating it that much, though, either. You hated oh, it? so much. All right, fair enough. So much. They all can't like, be winners. I think it was worse than a Gacy score. <gasps> yeah, it was bad. But yeah, so he's uh, a reoccurring guest on the podcast. Well, I'll drink to that past episode. She pleads with him to help her. He's like, or she's like, go to my family convince them to come and get us and he uh, once again he's like i don't know how to do this like what are you really asking me to do like you're a fucking stranger that showed up in my house and yeah but then you showed up here asking questions so 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 he does he he's like he's very torn he's like i don't know what i'm doing (laughs) like why am i here talking to this fucking girl but he does he goes and he tries to help and um, he ends up getting, like, punched in the face by the brother for, like, insulting the family or whatever. It's really stupid. Anyways. So when she believes that Frank has said no, she's, like, at her breaking point. And at this point, she's like, go ahead and beat me to death. Like, <laughs> she's like, I don't even fucking care anymore. Yeah. She's like, I'm not going to do any more work for you people. You're not doing anything for me. So right. they alienate her. She's like sent to her own like asylum, like locked away from everybody else. So the solitary confinement type yep. of thing. Yeah, exactly. After Frank gets his hit and miss from the family, he decides to go back to see her again <laughs> and this time offers his hand in marriage. Oh, lovely. He's like... So he can get her out. Mm-hmm, exactly. But 
the problem is, is someone from her family or the church has to sign off for her, like has mm-hmm. to give her up. Like she Obviously doesn't, the church isn't going to, she doesn't have her own right. Yeah. So I guess he does eventually convince the brother. Oh, okay. Okay. And so the problem is, is that Amory's like, look, I'm super grateful but like I'm never gonna have sex with you. Like I'm not. Like this gonna isn't s- gonna be a real marriage. Yeah, she was like, I will warm your bed, and I will make it, and I will give you companionship. But this is locked down. Like I'm broken. Right. So don't even think about it. And he's like, Well, then does it even count in God's eyes? Or like, and <sighs> according to the and. So, but whatever he, he's like, okay, you know, I'm good. Cause he was, he was married. He has his own family. He's an older man. Yeah. So he's like, no, I, I can live with the, the companionship or whatever. Okay. Here's when things really get good for me. So when the, at the end of the movie, <laughs> when the piece of shit brother finally comes to like sign off or whatever, he like shows up in a suit and like. He's feeling all high and mighty and proud mm-hmm. of himself. Like, I'm going to do this really good thing. Right. And she's happy to see him. But more than anything, she's like, fuck you. Like, I can acknowledge that what we did was wrong. Like, I shouldn't have fucked my brother. But why am I the only one being punished? Like, you put your penis in me, and I'm pregnant, and, like, I had our baby. I mean, word, that's, I mean, you can bring that up with, like, all the abortion laws nowadays. No, exactly. So she's like, so here I am going through fucking hell, and you show up in your fucking clean suit feeling like you're doing me some fucking favor by allowing me to basically marry a stranger just to get me out of fucking prison. Like, thanks, bruh. <laughs> also, I kind of wish I shouldn't have fucked my brother could be our name the of title? Our episode. <laughs> <laughs> like, I acknowledge I shouldn't have fucked my brother, but come on. But I mean, yeah. we're the only cottage on that sequence. <laughs> Who else am I going to It's like fight? after we lost mom and dad, I had nothing. That aunt was a real fucking bitch, man. Listen, definitely her brother shouldn't have fucked her, but I also have red flowers in the attic, and you know, shit happens. It does. So, like a little bitch, she cries. (laughs) (laughs) I was too afraid. She's like, yeah, well, I used to be afraid too. And then I learned the only power people have over you is fear. And I'm like, fuck, yes, queen. Okay. fucking tell him. Okay. And so... With his signature, she's given back her belongings, her original name, and the opportunity at a new life with Frank. Frank the Tank. Thanks, Frank. The Devil's Doorway. Don't you kind of wish you could have seen how her life would have panned out with Frank? Yeah. I liked Frank. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. All right. The devil's doorway. But should I give this the... Oh, yeah. Do your review. Mm -hmm. So let's do shamrocks. How many shamrocks do you give it? I'm going to give it... I'm going to give it a four shamrock. Wow. That is a big review. It was a quickie BBC lifetime. Everything's better on BBC. 
it the the acting was good it was aggressively gory but without being too depressing okay <laughs> it was dark yeah i mean it's a dark subject matter so that makes sense yeah no that was good fantastic mm-hmm. I enjoyed a it. four shamrock review mm-hmm. and then um so speaking of being so cheap I did pay for the devil's doorway. Wow. That yeah. shows where you will spend your money. See, I told you she's only cheap on certain things. No, like I like I said, I'm not going to spend money to cry, but I'll spend money, money on, on a, a horror movie, yeah. even a poor one. So you can rent it for like three ninety nine. I mean, that's half the price. It so. is on like most streaming services Great. It, like YouTube. I think I did it through voodoo. OK, because I've got it on my phone. OK. There's a group of young women gathering to have their picture taken before we see print on the screen that reads, For over 200 years, the Catholic Church in Ireland held women in asylum called the Magdalene Laundries. They held prostitutes, orphans, the abused, the mentally disabled, and the unmarried pregnant women. In 1960, two priests were sent to the Magdalene Laundry to film their investigation into a reported miracle. And thus begins our found footage style. (laughs) I know. The minute I saw that it was found footage style, I'm like, "Uh, well, at least it's a horror movie. Okay. So before I purchased said movie, I read a review. Did it tear it apart? No. Oh. Not specifically that i was looking to see about the movie about the found footage style okay it's 80 20 right it's more movie Mm -hmm. with a few specs so like the conjuring Mm -hmm. isn't the conjuring like that like it's it's them but then you they'll cut to like what they're recording right 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 Mm mm-hmm i mean really more than anything the vibe that i got was fourth kind Oh, right. the best, the, the investigation, the scariest style. movie of all, all time, time. Some people all would say, um, and up until the two priest part, everything they said was correct. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that this is just where they make it into. It's going to go real off from here. Yeah. Oh, I could tell. Mm-hmm. I could tell by the picture of the evil looking nun with overplucked eyebrows that mm-hmm. it was going to be. I knew exactly what movie it was going to be. Okay. So from the viewpoint of the camera, we're trying to navigate what happens. And it appears to be some kind of underground tunnels. And you actually mentioned this, and I'm glad you did, how they have to hide the girls. So I did. God damn it. Did I not get into it? Yes. My favorite part. So I actually learned this from the first. I watched like a quarter of that documentary that I mentioned. The Forgotten Maggie's. And one of the, like, most outspoken survivors of this, I don't know her name, and I apologize for that, but she's in, she's the first one that they talk to in the Forgotten Maggie's. She's the one who first talks about the tunnels. Okay. Because she, like, I think she worked, like, the furnace or something, Mm -hmm. and it was her job to alert everybody, I think, when the inspectors were there. But she was basically saying that there were these, like, secret tunnels that oh i wish i could remember what she said it basically connected the laundry workhouse to like the dormitories where the girls slept okay and 
basically what they were saying was that in layman's terms, the two had nothing to do with each other because they're not the same buildings. See, like the girls sleep and live here. They have nothing to do with the laundry workhouse. It's two separate buildings. And so it was really hard for them to get. I don't know if it was someone to believe their story or compensation. There was something she was trying to get and they and the church was basically that's the excuse they gave. It was hard for her to prove it until she was like doing an interview or whatever she was doing. And there was a like a like a maintenance guy, like yeah. a ground uh, groundskeeper. Uh-huh. And she's like, wasn't there because you have to remember a lot of these women were so young when they were in the laundries and all the PTSD. Of, of course. They've forgotten a lot. And she's like, isn't there like a tunnel or something? She's like, I remember a corridor where we would go and it would connect our dormitories to the workhouse. He's like, oh, yeah, it's right here behind this basically door Incredible. that's been boarded up. Incredible. And then there's these secret tunnels yeah. that connected the dormitories to the workhouse laundries, proving everything that she said, including that's where they would hide. So she would see the inspectors. She would like call out the warning and then everyone would go hide in the secret tunnel. Well, bring it devil's doorway with your fucking underground tunnel. There you go. So they knew exactly what they were talking about. And... <laughs> We are listening as Father John is yelling out for Father Thomas. <coughs> and then we get our first jump scare. Ooh. Of a nun who mm. comes out of fucking nowhere. And then cue to the credits. Is it scarier than The Nun? Part of the Conjuring I series? I never saw The Nun. Yeah, I think... I can't remember if I've seen it. I know that they bring her up in The Conjuring too, and she's not fucking scary at all. So, no, no I'd say that Mother Superior, who we're gonna get to, oh, she's pretty fucking terrifying. It's a scary name. Mm-hmm. So these two fuckheads have been sent to investigate <laughs> the statue of Virgin Mary crying blood. Perfect, typical, right? They go to interview Mother Superior. Mother Superior, to me, gives me kind of like Glenn Close, Devil Wears Prada vibes. Okay. Right? Intimidating without, like, being loud or violent. Yeah, it's it's those, like, eyes that will fucking stab you to your core. And yeah. it's like, you don't question my authority and just, like, whatever. Anywho. She's like, the whole thing's a mistake. You're wasting your time. There's no need to interview or start recording anything in my whatever. My my home. My, my domain. Exactly. Mm-hmm. This reminds me a lot. Did you ever watch The Handmaid's Tale? No. Okay. I'm wondering if the author of Handmaid's Tale got a lot of... In, maybe not because it was written in the 80s but this is very handmaid's tale yeah the unpaid labor and the like mm-hmm. women the yeah. older women watching over them I could, I abuse could see that. so when we are looking through the image of the camera the image of mother superior becomes distorted oh they ask to interview the women and children who live there, and Mother Superior informs them, we've stopped housing children. We've never housed any children here since the war. Father Thomas seems to be a skeptic, mm-hmm. right? Like, he doesn't believe in miracles. He's there to disprove what's going on. 
whereas Father John is a believer. Mm-hmm. He's a believer. You would think that like all priests would be believers. Nope. Okay. Not Father Thomas. All right. He's very progressive. And Father Thomas is much older. And he's not the believer? Correct. Interesting. Yeah. I'd say there's a good 20 year age gap between okay. the two. So to get a feel for the place, Father John is trying to film and interview the women working in the laundries. He's cock blocked by the nuns left and right. Yeah. They're slamming doors in Immediately. his face. On the rare occasion that they do get to speak with the girls, they don't get much because they're all too afraid. Um, one girl does engage with Father John. The nun pulls her aside to the ground by the hair, like... In front of Father John? Mm-hmm. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Ballsy. Slaps her across the face. Father Thomas goes to Mother Superior, like, what the fuck? They're clearly concerned about the treatment of the women. Mother Superior's like, oh, yeah, Father, you have opinions on what I do with these girls? Well, guess what? No one fucking asked you. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of s- like the vibe, though. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, she's really, she's got some fucking balls, this yeah. mother superior. She's just, like, I just wish she wasn't using it to abuse women. <laughs> no, really, though. Mm-hmm. Um, She's like, we house dirty secrets here. Everyone wants these women swept under the rug, and dirty work is for these dirty girls. Ew. Mm-hmm. Uh- we see the two men end their day in like a wing that's completely separated from all the girls. Mm-hmm. It's probably where the children used to be before the, she claims they stopped housing them. Right. Right. Um, 3.10 a.m. Of course. Father John is woken by the sounds of young children. Perfect. And so that's his last night staying there. <laughs> You'd think. (laughs) It would be my last night. The next day, Father John plays a recording that he took of said sounds that he heard for Father Thomas. And Father Thomas is like, you probably just overheard the girls, right? Like things echo. Okay. places like this. And Father John's like, really? You think the mother superior is going to allow these girls to do anything without it being known under someone's watch? Like, okay. Father Thomas insists after 25 years of doing this, he knows miracles are nothing more than tricks. Okay. So second night, Father John is convinced he has seen a little girl playing with a doll at the bottom of a staircase. When he goes to talk to her, all he finds is this creepy fucking clown doll. (gasps) Very poltergeisty yeah vibes episode 57 clown that lives above your daughter's bed Uh vibes yeah no they're here (laughs) and he hears the sounds of the children's whisper they're going to kill you (gasps) scary back in his room this is not the twist i thought the movie was taking by the way back in his room he records himself scared Right. He's too scared to sleep. Yeah. Fearing the girl's going to visit him in his dreams. And we hear the sounds of children playing in the hallway. Like terrifying. Mm -hmm. We get our next jump scare when there's a loud bang from outside of his door. 
and when he opens the door, we see nothing. But when we get back inside the room, the creepy clown is sitting under his bed. Do you love that there's a clown involved, That's don't so you? Much. I know. You just absolutely love it. Thank God I found this movie mm-hmm. for you, B. We then hear tapping from outside his bedroom window, followed by another jump scare when the window suddenly blows open. Father John drops the camera, runs out of the room, calling out for Father Thomas before we see the feet of children in nightgowns walking by. <laughs> God, there's nothing scarier than like Victorian oh, ghost children. Right. Forget about it. Children are the scariest. Father Thomas is like, bro, you had a bad dream. <laughs> You're allowing yourself to believe in all this shit. It's my job to prove you wrong. There's always a reason behind everything. Father John asks, if you're such a skeptic, why are you a priest? Like, if you aren't even open to the idea of God, why are you even trying to communicate with them? And Father Thomas explains, he became a priest because he wants to be a good man. And it was his intention to grow closer to God by doing God's work but that's not how things worked out oh right because the church is fucking evil mm. right because you guys didn't know it can be he's like look around what about this place says God to you he's like this place disgusts me the people who work here the bishop the Vatican he's like it's bullshit is think think about it. It's a theater. Everyone's in costumes playing a role. He's like, it's my job to expose the church and their dirty secrets. And maybe someday, eventually, I'll find something that will bring me closer to God. He's like, I want to believe, but this isn't fucking God. Let's go. Mm-hmm. What was it? Was it last week? Last podcast? You're like, the first time I've ever cheered on a priest. I guess this is the first time I've ever cheered on a priest, no, too. Yeah, Good no. job, go my guy. Father Thomas. Mm-hmm. And just as he's about to call the place a living hell, the statues start to bleed. Yeah. But is that a miracle or is it a warning? So the... The nuns suddenly burst in saying it's not just the statue, all the statues of the Virgin Mary are now bleeding Mm. from their eyes. And so um, they test the blood and it comes back as type O negative female and the female's pregnant. Oh. So they gather all the pregnant girls and they test them first and none of them match. And then they want to test everyone, right? Like, including the nuns. Right. And Mother Superior is like, fuck you. Absolutely not. (laughs) She's like, why don't you just start with those little heathens over there? Like, just because they didn't come here pregnant doesn't mean that they didn't end up pregnant. Of course. She's like, you know how things work here, Father. Mm. And so... He insists, and eventually everyone does get tested. No one matches. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's like a rare blood type. Yeah. But while the girls or while the nuns are being tested, they start to reveal little things about the place. And they even say that the place is evil. Yeah. One reveals that there's a girl locked in a basement. Her name's <laughs> Kathleen O'Brien. 
And none of the nuns are allowed to talk to her or even see her. And so the father asks if it's possible that Kathleen could be pregnant. Right. And um, the nun panics. And she's like, oh, this place is so evil. And the camera goes all like wonky. Right. Okay. Father Thomas demands Mother Superior take him down there. She's like, well, that's fine. But you better brace yourself because that's where they keep all the mentally unstable women. Of course. We hear them cry out for help, saying things like, please help me. They took my baby. Like, they sound perfectly sane. Yeah, because it's what happens when you chronically abuse women and then forcibly take their babies from them. Yeah, you can call that insane, but it's just horrific trauma. And like, and then you're going to lock them in a basement? Yep. Oh, my God. They find Kathleen shackled to the wall, looking frail, thin. The father says, how could you do this to a child? Yeah. Like, she's maybe 20 like like a night like 18 to 20 like yeah she's a baby even if she wasn't it's still and the mother superior snaps back she's no child she's already been with a man because look at her she's pregnant oh they unchain her and finally give her some real fucking food the girl can barely stand on her own two feet at first right but as they bring her out of her cell you see her eyes kind of flicker and she goes crazy she does yes she goes fucking crazy she's a demon she lunges at the nun bites at her throat totally possessed grabs father thomas they pull her back into the cell they do have to secure her again but father thomas isn't scared and he's like i'm not afraid um, her actions are just a response to the hell that she's been put through. I guess, but she also should be too weak to do any of that. Well, so the girl tells him that it wasn't me attacking the nun, and then her speech changes to ancient Greek. Okay. Surprised, he asked the girl where she learned to speak that language, and she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't speak Greek. Okay. Mother Superior is like, see, Father, I told you she's the fucking devil. That's why we keep her down here with all the rest of these pieces of garbage. And he's like, um, shut up. Like, let's pray. <laughs> pray it away. Yeah. So Kathleen repeats after Father Thomas. And suddenly one of the nun's bodies starts to, like, contort. Mm-hmm. And she's screaming in agony for them to stop. And Kathleen is adamant that it's not her hurting the nun. Mm -hmm. Father John asks Father Thomas if he believes that Kathleen's possessed. And obviously he doesn't because he's like, he doesn't believe in anything. But he's like, the devil can roam among us. He's like, we're all inherently evil. We all Mm -hmm. have evil inside of us. 3.30 a.m. Father John is woken by the sounds of children in the hallway once again. This time he records himself walking around before bumping into a nun who suddenly vanishes down the stairs. Back in his room, unable to sleep, we see his statue of the Virgin Mary suddenly break 
before Father Thomas rushes in telling John, bring the camera. Oh, shit. They're walking around and all of the statues have broken, just Uh like the one in his room. And through the lens of the camera, we see um, this little girl that the Father John had seen playing at the bottom of the stairs from the night before. Mm -hmm. And she's leading them down some stairs again. And we hear John ask Father Thomas, like, can you see the little girl? But we don't ever get a response. They go down the stairs and they get led to the basement where we hear voices. The camera's going in and out. The voices are getting louder. And suddenly they're like inside this room where there was evidence of a black mass. Oh, interesting. And I think, I feel like we referenced black mass on West of St. Tannic episode yeah. 28. I think so. Mm-hmm. If yeah, but it was like one of those ones where they claimed the boys were doing it. No, exactly. And they weren't. So, Father Thomas goes to Mother Superior, brings her down to question her about it, but when they go back, everything's gone. Oh. Everything's back to normal. But they then hear screaming and grunting. And they go to check on Kathleen. And her cell door is open. And even though she's still inside, she manages to, like, pull Father Thomas inside with her Mm -hmm. and then lock the two inside together. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Eventually, they get Father Thomas out and they have a real medical doctor come out to examine Kathleen. He confirms that she is pregnant, very close to giving birth. Oh, shit. She's also a virgin. Oh, plot twist. And because of how malnourished she is, it's pretty much a guarantee that she's going to die when she has the baby. Oh, fuck. So Father Thomas wants the doctor to take Kathleen to the hospital. Of course, the church would have to sign off on that. Mm -hmm. They're not going to allow it. So then he's like, well, can you perform a C-section here? (laughs) Yeah. Perfect location. Sterile. Again, the church isn't going to allow it. So the doctor's like, hey, not only that, her blood type is O negative, (gasps) which is super rare. So even if I wanted to perform any of this shit, we don't have the blood to transfuse. I was right. It is a super rare blood type. Mm Mm-hmm. He's like, there's no way. So the best case scenario is they make Kathleen comfortable in hopes that she can deliver what's going to be a very strong and healthy baby. But she's going to die. Yeah. No matter what they do. Mm-hmm. And this is coming from the medical doctor. He's yeah. like, there. I don't know what to do, right? So the doctor's like, look, hear me out. I, I get it. I don't want this girl to die either, but I don't have anything to work with. And I'm just being realistic. Father Thomas and John go to interview Kathleen. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Right? Perfect time. Sure. They're like, how long 
have you been here? And she's like, too long to remember. She talks about a time when she remembers living upstairs with the rest of the girls and how much she loved the statues of the Virgin Mary and how she would pray to them. And suddenly all the crosses that they've nailed up fly off the walls. Mm -hmm. And she begins like sounding like she's about to throw up all exorcisty style. Right. And she's levitating off the bed and the crucifixes and everything. So episode seven, polish your crucifix. Seven, polish your crucifix. Ancient history. Oh, my God. One of my personal favorite Bailey looks of the week. Father John, scared as fuck, drops the camera. So now all we're seeing is from the floor. Yeah, the classic. Mm-hmm. When we come back, Kathleen is shackled to her bed. She's convulsing. Body's contorting into crazy position. It's very reminiscent of Emily Rose. Episode. I was about to say, we've done that one too, right? 55 <sighs> Buffet of Demons. That's what I named it? Yeah. A buffet of demons. <laughs> Perfect. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. It's one of those episodes where we named it in the episode. Also, I will admit that now we've gotten to the point where, like, I overheard a client in the salon the other day. They were talking about true crime with another stylist, and they brought up Albert Fish. And I'm like, okay, I know the name. We did it. But have we done it? And yeah. I had to go back and look. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, we've done it. We did it. So it's getting to the point now where I can't even remember if we've done like big names or not? No, you brought up one tonight. The Radium Girl. I know. You're I, like who? What? what? Wait, we, who? You put so much effort into that look. There was a clock involved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the room goes black, and when the light comes back on, Kathleen is out of the bed, crouching on the floor with a menacing smile on her face. Father Thomas has had enough. He's like, "We're getting the fuck out of here, and we're taking Kathleen with us." But when he tries to get Kathleen to leave her cell, she catches fire like a vampire walking into daylight. Perfect. (laughs) Feeling defeated like there's nothing more that they can do. They have a moment where Father Thomas reveals to Father John that he was born in an institution just like this, possibly even here. Okay. As he grew up an orphan, never had a family. And once this is revealed, Kathleen comes out of, like, her sleeping coma. And she's like, well, all the babies that were born here are stuck in limbo. Like, all the children that they claim that they never housed are stuck in limbo. And so this is, like, what you're saying about the bodies in the unmarked graves. It's like, you can't go to heaven and you can't go to hell. Because they haven't been baptized Mm -hmm. and they're in unconsecrated ground. So she describes it as being worse than hell because the babies have no mothers, but they're forced to suffer for the sins of others. Yeah. And Father John asks... um, what babies are you talking about? She's like, all the babies that they killed, you fucking dumbass. Right. And Father Thomas. Before they baptized them. Yeah. And Father Thomas storms once again into Mother Superior's office, this time with a stack full of papers, maybe birth certificates, adoption records, whatever, questioning what the fuck happened to all these kids. Mm-hmm. Right. She replies, how should I know? Right, that they've been sent all over the place. New families in America, like yeah, whatever. And she, he's like, absolutely not. None of this adds up to the records. 
And he accuses her of killing the babies and wiping away their existence. And she instead tells him that she sold them off on her own to pocket the money. Lovely. Like, like black market style. Their conversation is interrupted when Kathleen goes into labor. Father Thomas demands they call the doctor. Mother Superior is, of course, like, I fucking got this. I've delivered a ton of babies. Yeah, that you fucking killed, so yeah. it doesn't matter who delivered them or not. During the birth, we never see what happens, like, below the belt. We only have, like, a, a head view. And all we see is her cries and her whimpers and pain and we're hearing like the sounds oh of like medical instruments just like uh, ripping and uh, tearing and, it's traumatic and of course the mother superior singing like oh our holy shut the Father. fuck up shut the fuck up and the church i'd bells be so upset and father thomas opens a door where we are seeing Kathleen's dead body with gold coins covering both eyes. Very boondock saints, baby. Boom, boom, boom. Episode 34. Passage to the whatever. Right? Saints and sinners. Heaven? Saints and sinners. I know, but the it's like payment oh, for passage. Yeah, you got to pay mm -hmm, to cross the whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no offense, Irish people. We just don't uh, quite know. And just like the statues, tears of blood begin to roll down Kathleen's cheek. That's weird. Father Thomas immediately goes looking for the baby, but he's too late. All that remains in the room is the bloody sheets and the aftermath. And blood. Where's the baby? Father Thomas goes running down the halls into a basement. Father John gets distracted when he hears another child's voice call out to him from the darkness. They're going to kill you. <gasps> Father John catches up to Father Thomas. They head back towards a chapel. They see the ghost of a boy. They get back to another fucking room with the black magic stuff. And they now find a murdered nun. Oh, shit. Behind some shelves, they find a crawl space. Mm -hmm. And boom, it's we're in the underground tunnels. Okay. Right? Um, the light on Father John's camera is going in and out as we begin to see the skeletal remains of a bunch of babies. Oh. And like, mm -hmm. They get lost trying to find their way back through the tunnels. They stumble across the creepy clown doll. Okay. That Father John saw the nights before. He starts to have a panic. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. He's like, we're going to die down here. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> and that's when we see the satanic ritual stuff again, and the light goes out, and the two men get separated. So because of the found footage style, it's super hard to see what's going on, but basically it's like a zombie-like nun, mm -hmm. like a possessed nun comes out of nowhere. She attacks Father John like Kathleen did, and she's like a fucking animal tearing away at his flesh with her teeth. Ooh. So we're getting like flashing images of that and his face covered in blood and him on the ground like trying to fight her off. And basically, like, the sounds of him drowning in his own blood <laughs> as Father God. Thomas is calling out for him in the distance. 
Father Thomas finds Father John dead. The camera's still recording beside him. He picks it up and he gives like, what's it called? Your last rites. Boom. Thank you. He apologizes for not believing the signs earlier. He believes now that his own stubbornness um, is what got them here. He's like, Father John was a good man. He didn't deserve this. So now believing he begs God, please help me save Kathleen's baby. Right? Like, if mm-hmm. I can't save anyone else, like, let me try to save this fucking baby. Yeah, how's that work out? So, he gets up, and he picks up the camera, and we're wandering through the tunnels, and he does find what we think is the baby. But when he picks up the blanket, it's empty. And when he turns around, a dead-eyed, like, completely wide-eyed Mother Superior is there to welcome him home. Oh, lovely. And we hear what I can only assume is him or is her ripping him to pieces. Fantastic. Right? What an ending. What a good time. All right. How many shamrocks? I'm going to give it a three. Okay. It was, I mean. Fair enough for a found footage horror movie. Right. Yeah. No, it wasn't bad. No, that was good. It really took a direction I was not expecting. No. I was not expecting the haunting of the dead children to mm-hmm. be the thing. The focus. The like the demon mother superior, even like the possessed girls like that I could see. But the haunted dead children was a real surprise for me. Yeah. Exciting. It was. What a Fantastic. Good time. Wow. I know. So. That was only a three shamrock, but which one did you have more fun watching? Oh, definitely that one. Yeah. Yeah. Of Devil's course. Doorway. Yeah. I mean, like I said, no one wants to see pregnant women <laughs> fighting so and fucking umbilical cords and buckets. <gasps> and... Me neither. All that birthing stuff gives me a lot of PTSD. Yeah. It's a lot of triggers. Uh, it's a lot, guys. All right. Well, mm-hmm. fair enough. Look of the week. Oh, yeah. Your look of the week. I didn't even ask. I totally forgot it existed. That's how tired I am today. I forgot you even did that as a thing. Okay, yeah. What was your look of the week? I have a nun cap. God bless it. I know. Literally. How how do I? God bless it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you have. Do you want to hold a baby? No, I want to hold a Bible. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. You got a Bible around here somewhere. I do. We used it for our conjuring episode. We've used it for a few episodes. Yep. For sure. Conjuring and I, oh, we didn't use that one. The West Memphis three, because we ended up not using it because we oh, felt bad about the bomb. Okay. But yes, no, we have used it a couple times. Yeah. Looks of the week. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Well, can't yeah. wait. And I will say, I don't know if this has any meaning, but it is very interesting. The episodes that we have no like technical failures. And this is one of them. It has been smooth sailing this it's whole so time. Dumb. So I'm going to say. It doesn't make any sense. No, but I'm going to say the Maggies wanted their story told. The Maggies out there in heaven or the abyss or rebirth or the other world, whatever you believe in. I feel like they wanted their story told because we had zero audio problems tonight. So I feel like it was a story that they wanted to be told. Oh, way to carry it, Maggies. Let's go, Maggies. Happy Patty's Day to everybody. If you want to see Bee's look of the week pictures of i'm sure the magdalene laundries and the movies that'll all be on thc 
um, podcast on Instagram. Question: Has anyone replied with their chainsaw recommendations? Which no. ones? No, <laughs> nobody no, has no replies. <laughs> Well, because the last episode we talked about our reviews of the movie, uh-huh. and I asked, "I'm like, Texas well, Chainsaw Massacre." Yeah, I'm like, "Well, since they hated it so much, I'm like, oh, well, what's one? your favorite? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, let me know what their favorite. What is your favorite? I was Texas just wondering Chainsaw if Massacre. you had gotten anything. Yeah, nope, yeah. not yet. But you know, yeah, because they're not any good ones. Yeah, I guess nobody <laughs> could think of one, huh? Mm-hmm. All right, fair enough. Um, but if you have any questions or comments or recommendations, send it to us, DM me and give us a five-star review if you Mm -hmm. can, or a like, subscribe. Are we going to record next week? Not next week. The fall, because we're doing every other week. Oh, right. No, no. But isn't that closer to the wedding? Next week is after. So next week is my my baby brother's wedding. Okay. The following weekend is when we record. Perfect. Because my brother's wedding is one week away. Perfect. Very exciting. Yay. So I'll get to tell you all about my baby brother's wedding. Yeah, Yeah. we'll have lots to talk about. Is there like a wedding murder we could do? (sighs) I'll look into it. You never know. I'm sure there is. Right? right? Someone gets married. I mean, Somebody made a horror movie about this, then there has yeah. to be a mm-hmm. wedding one out there somewhere. Yeah. Fun. We'll look into it. Okay. All right. We love you guys. I honestly have to pee so, so bad, bad that we have to wrap this up. So uh, thanks for listening. We appreciate you. And hopefully we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.